Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Keith Craft. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Just say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship, created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Now put your hands up, say it like you mean it. Come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Give yourselves a big hand. You can be seated. It's good to see all of you this morning. I'm sure all of you have plenty of shopping to do, just like the rest of us that for some reason don't use Amazon. And, uh, and uh, we've been in this, we've been in this, some of y'all just like being at the mall and stuff. This is, this is a nightmare season for me because there's so many people out, out and about. And uh, that's neither here nor there though. We're not talking about that today. Just felt like sharing with you a little bit about my um, introverted eccentricities. So we've been in this series called Christmas Is, and today we're bringing it to a close and we're talking about how Christmas is gifts, and that's our favorite part of Christmas. If you need notes, the ushers have those, and they'd love to get those to you. There's a little music note that bounces around on the notes so that you can kind of sing along with, um, because if you didn't know, I'm going to sing this whole message, and you're going to love it. It's going to be great. And I uh, can't promise it'll be in tune. Um, you're my best shot. I'm just kidding. So there was a 10-year-old, while you're getting your notes, there's a 10-year-old who is becoming quite knowledgeable about the Bible because of her grandmother's teaching. She asked her grandmother, which virgin was the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary or the King James Virgin? (laughs) Yeah. Powerful. Great joke. Just awesome. We're going to talk about the Virgin Mary today, not the King James Virgin. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this, this, uh, this, this story that a lot of us know. It's a story that we repeat um, all around Christmas. It's something we're going to read to our, our children next weekend. And um, it's the reason for the season. It's all about Jesus. And so we're going to end this series in Luke chapter 2. And you can go there with me. Just turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1 with uh, just the story of Jesus coming to earth. And so the Bible says, at that time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was now expecting a child. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And uh, I want to talk about this, this particular passage of Scripture today, but I also want to compare it alongside of a verse in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 2, that says, this is a prophecy about Jesus, it's an overall arcing prophecy, but I just want to show you this one verse where Isaiah says, my servant, he's talking about Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic 
about his appearance and nothing to attract us to him. And before we get into that, I just want to start, start this part by praying. So God, we just come before you in your house. We thank you that you're a great God. God, and we're grateful this morning that you sending Jesus to this earth, God, you sending heaven to earth is the reason why we can be in this place this morning in your house. And God, I thank you that you know exactly where we're at in our life. And you know, and we know that a word from you can change our life forever. So God, I pray that this morning wouldn't be about even any words that I have to say, but it would be about your word, God, and that your spirit this morning would speak directly to our spirit, speak directly to our situation. And uh, we just thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So it's really interesting uh, about Jesus because I, I've always, in my life, I've envisioned Jesus as the most beautiful man who ever lived, according to all the paintings that we've seen of Jesus with his you know, hands put together and just looking to the sky. And uh, just wonderful beard, very well manicured, beautiful blue eyes, you know, perfect complexion. That's what we imagine Jesus as. Um, but for some reason, the Bible in Isaiah chapter 53 describes Jesus as someone who is unattractive. And there is nothing, nothing that would attract us to the person of Jesus. Now, we don't really know what that means. We don't really know ultimately what Jesus looks like, unless you're into you know, Bible conspiracies and the Shroud of Turin and all those different kinds of things that I don't really care to talk about today. You can go watch that on the History Channel. Um, but unless you're into that kind of stuff, we're not really sure of what the concept of what Jesus looked like. But in this, in this story, in, in this story, it goes back to Isaiah chapter 53, which by the way, if you're not a Bible scholar, Isaiah comes before Luke in the Bible. It's a prophecy about Jesus in this, in this book of Isaiah. And the way Jesus is described, not only in that verse, but in this, in this nativity scene, is not the way you would imagine this, the most important person who was ever born would come to earth. There's no fanfare. There's not like Jesus didn't come and just dominate the system. Uh, he was born in, in a, he wasn't born in a barn, but basically back then, back in that time in world history, what would happen is you would build a house and it would usually be like a two-story house in, in this particular city of Bethlehem and all the animals would live on the first floor and the, the people would live on the second floor. And there was no room for Mary and Joseph where the people were staying, so they had to go stay with the animals downstairs. And then they laid Jesus in what's called a manger, which a manger isn't like you and I would imagine a manger that we've seen in our nativity scenes. A manger was actually something that was fashioned out of clay or mud that they would put animal feed into. And so this is what a manger looked like. They have a picture of an actual manger. So this is a manger. That's, that's what an actual biblical manger um, looks like. And so what they would do is they would just feed the animals in this basically trough. In the middle, it's hollowed out, and there's a place for uh, animals to eat out of. And, you know, they didn't have running water back then. They, weren't, they didn't have, uh, you know, Lysol or whatever you used to, to disinfect things. OxyClean, Billy Mays wasn't alive yet. And, uh, and, and so they didn't have a way to clean this out, so it's not like they went and sprayed it down with the hose and then laid Jesus in there. I imagine it was not the most sanitary place to put a baby in a feed trough for animals, but that was where, where Mary had to put Jesus. And then we have this, this name Jesus, which to us is a pretty significant name because there's not really a lot of people named Jesus around in the world today. But back in that era in history, Jesus was actually a very common name. And so this angel comes in the book of Matthew and he talks to Joseph, who is Jesus' earthly father, and he says, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. 
which is like someone coming to you and go, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him John. It's going to be so powerful. Like, great. Why did you tell me about his name? It's just a name. It's just John. I mean, like John is the most common name in America. Uh, Jesus was the most common name in Israel at the time. And so there was nothing common about this, this, there was nothing uncommon about this common person the way that he was born. And for some of us in our mind, we, we idealize this, this way that heaven came to earth and all these different things. And we talked about last week about how, was there, how there was the star, the Bethlehem star, but really the wise men, for some reason, were the only people that saw that star. So Jesus came to the earth in a very uh, unimportant way. He was presented to us in, in this nativity scene, in this environment, um, as, a, as, as a person that didn't imp- appear important to anyone. Now, the reason why Jesus is important to us is because we know the rest of the story. A lot of us in this room know how it all turned out, and we know what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but we also know what Jesus has done in our own personal lives, what he's done for us, how he's helped us to work on our attitudes, how he's helped us to overcome whatever the, the things, that the issues are in our life that we've had to overcome. So the nativity scene that we're presented with in this story does not matter to us as much because the significance of Jesus doesn't come from that moment. The significance of Jesus comes after that moment. But I think that God strategically and intentionally does things. He does things on purpose. And he could have done anything he wanted with this birth of Jesus. He could have had him come in any way that he wanted. He could have had him be born in a palace. He could have had him be born a king. He could have just sent him as a you know, grown man. Uh, riding on a horse with a sword on fire and cutting off the heads of his enemies. Like all that would have been something that God could have totally done. But for some reason, God made this intentional decision to put Jesus in a situation that was not attractive, a situation that none of us would choose. You know, I had a, I had a, I just had my, my first child um, a little over two months ago. And I couldn't imagine uh, my, my child being born in a barn and me laying them in a feed trough. Like that doesn't seem very appealing to me, but that's where Jesus—that's where Jesus found himself when he was born. And then we we wouldn't look at Mary and Joseph and think, "Wow, what a well-adjusted, mature, healthy relationship that they have." You wouldn't have walked by that scene in Bethlehem that night and said, "This child is destined for greatness." Those people are ready to have a kid, and this child is going to do amazing things based on the way that that their birth, that the birth went. So, so Mary right, is telling people, and just think of this as a person, because these people in the Bible are people. They're not superhuman beings. They're normal people like you and me. Maybe you see yourself as more than normal, but I'm just trying to, like, get to normal, because I'm what's, what young Frankenstein refers to as Abby Normal a lot of times. And some of you have seen that movie, some of you haven't. You're missing out if you haven't seen that movie. But a lot of, but a lot of times, um, we don't see the, the, the characters in the Bible as people, as humans, just like you and I. But imagine hearing the story from someone in your family or someone that you know that, yeah, you know, I got pregnant and uh, it, was, it was God, man. Just, I mean, proof, but uh, God totally did it. Okay, I love you, but you don't have to lie to me, you know? <laughs> so in this story, that's what they're telling people. Hey, we're not married, we're having a kid. It's really great. This is the way all relationships should go. This is what God has established as the most healthy first family of Jesus. And so you wouldn't have walked by that night or known those people and said, hey, everything's being set up for success in their life, right? They're, 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 this, this first night is not going super well. They just laid him in a trough. She's, they're not married yet. They just had this baby. 
Um, it's, it's, all, it's all kind of a mess. They're the kind of family, Jesus' family is the kind of family that we would look at and go, man, I really hope they make it. Because I'm not sure they've really made some good decisions along the way. How did Joseph not be able to plan ahead to know his pregnant wife was going to need a place to stay? All these kind of questions we would ask. Those of us that manage things well, those of us that like prioritize things and have time management and have a calendar and all that, we would go, didn't you know that you had to go to Bethlehem? Like, how come you're so late to the party? All of that. All of this was, is something that you and I would look at and we would go, that's not the way to manage the situation and that's not a situation we would want to find ourselves in. And I think all of us have also, uh, I'm going to tell on myself for a second, and sometimes I'm self-deprecating, but um, I'm just self-deprecating. I found out, uh, I have found out, I didn't find out recently, but I'm, I'm cynical, I'm pretty cynical as a person, and I found out if I, if I just focus my cynicism on myself, then I won't make people, I won't uh, be cynical towards other people. So sometimes I'm cynical about myself. So with gift wrapping, right, I'm a horrible horrible when it comes to like wrapping presents. And that doesn't mean I don't try. That just means like to me, if I can get to a three out of 10, that's a big win for me. So I'm the kind of person that I'm going to give you a gift and uh, the corners might not be straight. There might be the under part of the wrapping paper. The wrapping paper might not have made it all the way around <laughs> the present based on how I cut it, you know. And then, then last service, Pastor Buddy said, well, you just use a gift bag. But the issue with me with gift bags is I'm really confused on how people make the tissue paper look so great when it comes out. So I'm like, how do you, how do you make it look that way? They're like, what do you mean, how do you make it look that way? You just put it in there. So for some reason, me getting the tissue paper in the bag still looks just like a mess. And uh, a lot of times we've gotten gifts in our life that are really horribly wrapped and you've gotten gifts from people like me that, you know, don't maybe come in like an afterthought box. And one time, uh, one time I thought it would be cool if I, and this was, this was recently, this wasn't when I was a child. Uh, I thought it'd be cool if I gave someone a present and instead of using wrapping paper, I used pages from a magazine. It was a horrible idea. This, don't try it. It's so stupid. But I committed to it. I committed to it and I had to tape every, I had to tape every page of the magazine around the whole box and it just, I should have just given them the box, right? That would have been 10 times better. So I digress. All of us have probably been given gifts that are really poorly wrapped. And in this story, Jesus is not a really perfectly wrapped gift. Like God did not put him in a situation where it was like, wow, everything's so wonderful about this wonderful Jesus. And then all of us have, have sometimes been given gifts that are really wonderfully wrapped. And, and we look at these gifts and we think that if a gift is wonderfully wrapped, that it's a wonderful gift. And if we think if a gift is poorly wrapped, then, then it's a poor gift. And, and uh it's like, to me, sometimes we focus too much on the wrapping, and the wrapping of the gift is like a Tiffany box that has a keychain in it, and we're like, wow, thank you so much. I don't even know if Tiffany sells keychains, but if you're going to buy someone something from Tiffany, don't buy them a keychain, <laughs> right? So we spend so much time focusing on the wrapping of a situation or the wrapping of a gift that we miss the significance of the gift. And what we do as human beings is we are the people that judge books by their cover, and we think, wow, if that present is poorly wrapped, and that person did not think about me when they gave that gift to me. Or if a present is really well-wrapped, someone really put some effort and some time into wrapping that gift. Well, Jesus and God, they turn this, this whole thought process on its head in this moment because Jesus is not well-wrapped. It's like God goes to Mary 
who's engaged to Joseph and says, you're going to be pregnant. And then they have him and he's born in a place where there's a bunch of animals and he's laid in this feed trough and he's just like another baby that you would not look at and think that child is destined for greatness. But God teaches us, God teaches us all throughout his word. And those of us that walk, that have walked with God know this, God teaches us all throughout his word that we should not look at things based on how they look on the outside, but look at things based on what he's placed on the inside because the most significant thing about Jesus was not the circumstance surrounding his birth. The most significant thing about Jesus is who he is. And we know that because Jesus has meant something to some of us in this room. We know that because some of us in this room know how the story ends. We know the great things that Jesus ended up doing in his life. But what we sometimes read about Jesus is the kind of Jesus that I'm sure those people expected in that point in history where he was going to have a government that it would never end. And he would institute a peace that would never end. He would rule from the throne for eternity and he would be the leader of heaven's armies. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace, a mighty God. And to me, if I'm going to define how a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God comes to the earth, it wouldn't be in such an unimportant way. If someone's so important, we're going to make sure that they feel important and that they're presented as important, uh, not the opposite way around, but the most important person ever that's ever lived entered the world in the most ordinary, simple, and humble way. But maybe God is trying to show us through, through this birth of Jesus that the setting of Jesus' life, the setting of Jesus' birth is not the most important part. The most important thing about Jesus is who he is and the gift that he brings to us. And many of us know this, like we, we intrinsically know this because we have a relationship with him, but we miss the significance of this unimportant moment in the history of the world. And we apply importance to it based on the fact that Jesus is important, but God wants us, I think, to understand that Jesus knows what it's like to be a person from nowhere that's kind of outside of God, destined for nothing. There was a certain level of expectation that people had out of what the Messiah was going to look like, and Jesus, day one, did not meet that expectation. The greatness of the gift that Jesus is is not the wrapping, but the gift itself. And I just want to take a second to explain that, because like I said a little bit ago, God is strategic and intentional with how he presents things to us. And I think, with, especially with the life of Jesus, God shows us through Jesus' life the kind of people that he wants us to be. And so Jesus is wrapped in this, in this wrapping paper, if I can call it that. He's wrapped in unimportance. He's wrapped in not special. He's wrapped in Isaiah, according to Isaiah chapter 53. He's wrapped in unattractiveness. But what makes Jesus so important is who he is. So we know that Jesus is important, like I've been talking about, is because the rest is history. So what happened in Bethlehem just led up to who he became. And there's this, there's this poem that was written a long time ago by, by Dr. James Allen, and it goes like this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33. 
His friends ran away, and one of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled over his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. That might be something that you've heard before because that's a pretty well-known poem. But think about who Jesus was versus who we see him to be. Jesus is so significant and he's so powerful and he's still continuing today, 2,000 years on from his life and death, to make a significant impact on all of us and on the, on the history of humanity. But this was a man who uh, only had a ministry for three years. He never reached personally more than 12 people in his lifetime. Like we just read, he, he, never, he never went more than 200 miles from his hometown. He never wrote a book. He was never in the, in the context of the, the world that he found himself in. People would not have seen him as important or as significant. But personally, when I think about Jesus, I'm grateful for the gift of this moment in time to look at the nativity because I think what God shows us is that no matter what situation you and I find ourselves in, The the most important thing about us is not the situations that we're in. It's not the settings that we're placed in. The most important thing about us is who God says that we are. Because that's the most important thing about Jesus. The most important thing about Jesus is that we know Jesus is, is God the Son. Jesus is God's Son sent to earth to reconnect us back to him. But if you look at just the situation he was in, you wouldn't say that he was that big of a deal. And I think what Jesus shows us through his own life is the fact that many of us can feel that way. Many of us can feel like those people that uh, maybe, hopefully, none of us in this room were laid in a manger when we were born. But many of us can feel like those people that we come from nothing, we come from nowhere, we're not, we're not that important in the grand scheme of things. We can all find ourselves in circumstances and, and situations that, that can make us feel that way. But what Jesus shows us through his own life and through his birth is that that doesn't matter. The most important thing is who God says that you are. The most important thing is the story that God is writing through your life and the gift that he's placed on the inside of you, not the wrapping on the outside. Yes, we should be professional, right? Yes, we should wear shoes in public and put deodorant on and not, be, not, not like try to like purposely wrap the gift wrong, you know? Like, hey, it's God on the inside of me. I don't really have to worry about society. That's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm suggesting, but what I, what I am suggesting is that we spend a little more time focusing on the gift that God's put inside of us than we spend focusing on the presentation on the outside. A lot of people in the world, they spend more time working on their presentation than they spend working on the gift. So we go through life and, and, and the concern is the kind of job that we have, the kind of money that we make, the kind of car that we drive, the, the, the way that we present ourselves to the world, especially in a generation that's so, that's so consumed with social media. I like what Stephen Furtick says is that uh, social media is like everyone else's highlight reel. You know, like we're, we're concerned with putting the highlight reel of our life together and we don't think about what our, life, what our life actually looks like. The thing that Jesus shows us is that it doesn't matter what the highlight reel is, it matters what the real deal is. 
So in our life, God is trying to get us to understand something that he doesn't do things the way that the world does them. He comes, he comes in a very humble, unimportant, simple way, and he speaks to us, and he knows what it's like to be human because no matter what kind of highlight reel we're going to put together, we're all going to struggle with similar things. All of us are going to struggle with insecurity. All of us are going to struggle with unmet expectations. All of us are going to struggle with, with uh, where we see ourselves versus where we, versus where we actually uh, find ourselves. And the importance of who we are and the confidence we can have is not to be placed in, in people. It's not to be placed in circumstances. It's not to be placed in situations. The confidence of who we are is meant to be placed in God. But we get off when we start making it all about ourselves. And I feel like pride and, pride and, and our arrogance and insecurity are two different forms of pride because some people that would say they're insecure um, would feel like that they're not prideful when really pride to be prideful is just to make it about you. So we can go through life and we can make it all about us. We can make all of our relationships about us. We can make all of our friendships about us. We can make our job about us. We can make our role in the kingdom about us. Or we can understand that God really wants to do more than just us. God wants to do great things through us towards other people. So insecurity is a form of pride that says it's all about me and I'm really awful. Arrogance is a form of pride that says it's all about me and I'm really great. And all of us end up somewhere on that spectrum in life to make it about us. And what I love that God does in this story is he says it's not about it. It's not about Jesus. It's not about how great this moment in history was. It wasn't like Jesus was uh, you know, sent from a shooting star that landed on the earth. He's not Superman that came in a spaceship and you know, lifted the car like, we, like we've seen in the movie. Jesus was just like kind of a normal dude that people could easily take for granted. So no matter our, our feelings of importance or unimportance, no matter the setting of our life right now, God says he's with us and that we're highly favored. That's what he says about us. Because at the end of the day, here's what God shows us through this life of Jesus. What God shows us is that it's not about you and me. It's about the God that's inside of us. It's about the gift that God has already placed within us. And so many times, so often, we're focused on us being a certain way. We're focused on us presenting ourselves a certain way. And as a church, we value personal growth and development. We believe that this is a place where hopefully you can develop and grow and become the best person that, that God's called you to become. But the most important thing is you becoming who God's called you to become. The most important thing is not trying to live up to other people's expectations. The most important thing is not trying to present yourself as something that you're not. The most important thing is not trying to attain some kind of financial or worldly success. The most important thing is understanding that God's created you and he's put you on the earth for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. And if you weren't important, he wouldn't have created you. But the fact that he's created you shows the importance of who you are, just like it shows the importance of who Jesus is. The importance of who Jesus is does not come from the manger. It doesn't come from Mary. It doesn't come from Joseph. It doesn't come from Galilee or Jerusalem or Bethlehem or Nazareth or wherever it was that he found himself. The most important and significant thing about Jesus is who he is, and it's the same for us. The most important and significant thing about us is who we are and who God's created us to be. And so God sees us as more than just the wrapping of our everyday lives. So we can get so focused on the way that our lives are wrapped up 
The way that the, way that the situations and the circumstances, like I said, that we find ourselves in. That we, we're like all wrapped up in how, how this presentation is when the most important thing to God is the gift that we are. We're not reflected. Who we are is not reflected in the situations that we find ourselves in. On earth, our situations and circumstances are constantly changing, and we have to remind ourselves a lot that this too shall pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it'll pass. <laughs> it might be difficult. We might be in situations and seasons of difficulty in relationships, in our professional life, in, in whatever, but, but it's going to come to an end. And so often we get permanently focused on temporary situations. Jesus didn't stay in Bethlehem forever. And that's, that's, what I just, that's what I really love about this story is that God knew. Jesus knew what it was like to just be a human being. Yes, he was God wrapped in the form of a, human, of a human being, but the most important thing was not the wrapping. The most important thing was this God that was, that was Jesus, that he knew what it was like to come from nothing and be nobody. And, and I, I don't know, we don't know if Jesus struggled with feelings of, of insecurity, but I can identify, personally, I can identify with that kind of Jesus who's been in that situation, who's been in situations that I find myself in, where like all of us have felt, like am I really gonna do something significant with my life? Am I really gonna make an impact? Is God really gonna use me? Does he really, does he really have a destiny on my life? And the answer that God gives us through the life of this man Jesus is yes. It's a resounding yes. It says you're, you're destined for great things. There's great things in your future. You have a, you have a great destiny you have a great purpose. You have great things in store for you. And if you didn't, you wouldn't be here anyway. But the fact that you're here, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that, that, that you're going through your life shows that God wants to use you in a powerful way. The greatest gift that God has ever given us is his, is his son, Jesus. He delivered the gift in a very simple and ordinary way. But God is a God who takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. God's a God who takes the powerless and makes it powerful. God's a God who takes nothing and turns it into something. So what made Jesus important was not the humanity on the outside, but the God on the inside. And what makes us important is the same thing. It's us understanding that, that there's a God who created everything inside of us. And the wrapping might change based on situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in. But the wrapping doesn't make the gift any less important or any less significant. What makes us important is the greatness that God has already placed on the inside of us. And just like Jesus has called us to be, just like Jesus was a great gift to us, the title of this message is Christmas is Gifts. So Jesus was the gift, but, but Jesus comes to enable us to be gifts to each other. In the context of our relationships, we would understand the significance and the importance of who we are. And as a church, we don't do this often, but we do it a lot. What I want you to do is I want you to just take your hand, I want you to look at your hand for me. Just look at your hand. On the end of your fingertip is a fingerprint. And, and many of us, uh, hopefully most of us in this room, have gone to high school or have had some kind of education. So what we're taught is that you have a fingerprint that no one else has. There's, been, there's not been anybody in history that has a fingerprint like you have, and there'll never be anybody in the future that has a fingerprint like you have. And God's given you this unique fingerprint um, that no one else ever has had and that no one else ever will have. And we believe as a church that he's given us this fingerprint to show us the uniqueness of who we are and how special that we are and how much the world and situations and circumstances need the greatness that's on the inside of us because we use our hands probably more than we use anything. 
We use our hands to touch the world. And so, so Jesus comes and he's the greatest gift to us, but maybe the greatness that's inside of us is meant to be our greatest gift to each other and our greatest gift to the world. So if Jesus was truly God in the earth, then maybe there's parts of us that are meant to be God in the earth. Not that we're meant to be gods, but there's a part of us that is God's greatness inside of us that the world needs, that people need. And it's not about the wrapping because no matter what, no matter what, you still have a fingerprint that no one else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave on the world. And all of us are gonna have times in our life where we struggle with identity. All of us are gonna have times in our life where we struggle with the season that we find ourselves in, or we struggle with the impact that we're making in the world, or we struggle with maybe not attaining this, this level of success that we, that we personally aspire to. And we feel like our identity and who we are can be so wrapped up in those things, but at the end of the day, no matter what, you still have a fingerprint. You still have a unique deposit of God's glory that he's given you and only you, and that's what your fingerprint represents, is the you that you are that only you can be to the world, to people, to circumstances, to situations. And so as God's people, we're, we're called to be Jesus for people because Jesus isn't here every day anymore. He came and he did his mission, but he's created us for such a time as this to be on a unique mission and to be and, and, and do the things that God has called us to to be and do. And I, I'm grateful personally so much for this story of Jesus, especially in this season, like I said, because it shows me that despite my humanity, despite my flaws, despite like the settings that I find myself in, God really wants to use me to do great things. And he wants to use you to do the same. You can clap for yourself. Like some of you haven't had a haven't had a uh, haven't had a round of applause in a while, so that's good, because because you had to know that God has created God has created each one of us to be unique and to be special, and to be powerfully used by Him, and and that's that's evidenced by our fingerprint. And that's what we teach here as a church. But even more importantly than that, I think that's what God wants us to realize in this moment through the story of His Son Jesus, is that He was laid in a manger. He was just treated like any other baby. If you walked by and you didn't know how the story was going to end, you, you wouldn't have thought giving him a second thought. But God used him to do powerful things. And God's a God who makes the impossible possible. Not just through his son Jesus. That's most important. But through us. He's called us to do that. And we can believe that for ourselves. We can believe that for our families. We can believe that for our future. That God's a faithful God. And God's for us. And he's on our side. And he's going to do great things through us. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.